the Slipshod Show. Today we have my brother as a guest here, uh, my co-host, if you will, uh, Parker. Thanks for the invite, man. I'm happy to be here. Uh, happy to have you here, dude. It's I love talking with you about stupid shit, and this is fucking this is the best of the best here. This is their, well, uh, this is the Slipshod Show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, slipshod meaning just bad all around, just awful things. And what is awfuler? than bad movies we've all seen one or two of, of these movies that we thought to ourselves like man this is just this is an awful movie whether it was the acting or the cgi or the story the plot it, it, there's always that one movie that we think to ourselves like oh this is fucking this is bad this is just bad and what we're doing here is we are looking for the blatantly bad the all-around awful the generally shitty horror movies and that's what we're doing here, or at least in this season, because horror is just such a, it's such a vast, such a vast array of films. You got so much to go from with horror, and horror is so easy to mess up, right? And uh, there's so many different genres of horror movie that there's just, that there's so much for us to explore. And, you know, that's, that's, I'm excited. I'm really excited. And the first season we've got here is Slasher. So right now we're talking about the first on our list, Slasher movies. It's called Fear Farm. It was released in 2020. I think it was November. And uh, we explore these on Rotten Tomatoes. And this has no score. It has no review. It's got absolutely nothing by anyone in any way. And that gives it a sense of mystery. And we knew getting into it that it was just going to be a bad experience, didn't we? Yeah, we definitely did. I mean, I knew ahead of time that it probably wasn't going to be super great. But honestly, and we'll talk about it more in the episode but honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, we're here to talk about the worst of the worst horror movies, but this one, surprisingly, I mean, it wasn't excellent. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I will watch this movie any day of the week, but, you know, as far as bad horror movie goes, I think it's kind of unfair to rank this one. Yeah, I, I, I think that when we first saw it, we were scrolling through uh, we were scrolling through one of the subscriptions we have, the movie subscriptions, and we came across uh, Fear Farm, and it's it's Fear and then P-H-A-R-M, so it's Fear Farm, but Farm is with a P-H. I thought that was goofy, and I was like, well, this is going to be interesting, but um, yeah, just, just looking at it, like, it didn't look good on its own, but yeah, like you said, as we go into it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an awful movie. It really wasn't. And yeah, it doesn't feel fair ranking it here, but you know what? Going into it, we thought it would be awful. So at least now we can start off with, with, a, with a generally high score, so now everything else can be either better or worse. So we have a nice, I'd call it an even playing field for this movie. This movie isn't great. This movie isn't awful. It's really all right. The entire movie is very all right. I will say for the record that, you know, most horror movies, whether they're from, you know, in the past or in the present, like you said in the beginning, you know, horror has evolved so much since its birth in the early 1920s, and honestly, like, I think in hindsight, this movie, like I, like we said, I mean, it's hard to class it as bad because, you know, in my opinion, what really makes a bad horror movie is, you know, just bad movie making, bad acting, bad producing, bad special effects, whatever. Um, but really also I kind of factor in bad storyline, you know what I mean? There's yeah, a lot of horror movies I've seen where everything was on point, but that storyline didn't make any sense to me. Right. But then there are other movies that I watch and I'm like, okay, this has a fantastic storyline, but the something's off for me, you know? And in this movie, I think that the storyline makes sense, but for what it's worth, it felt like an indie film. It felt very low budget. And I'm like, you know, if that was the case, you know, if it was low budget, you know, they did a fairly good job for being low budget. But honestly, if that was the case, I can honestly only imagine what it would have been like had they had the budget that they required. Because then I think this movie would be a little bit more popular. And as we'll go in in more depth, you know, this movie has a lot of elements from past horror movies that we enjoy, or I myself enjoy, and I don't know, I'm really stoked yeah. to talk about this one. Yeah, it does have a lot of uh, other elements, and I think that, you know, there are horror movies, or there are other movies, you know, like skits or whatever, and they take things from horror movies, and they do it in a joking manner, or sometimes something will take it legitimately, and it'll feel like you're watching something that's trying to take from that first movie. 
Like it's trying to to scrape the bottom of the barrel and to pick up from where that movie's fame was. But this movie, it does have a couple things in it that were definitely reminiscent of older horror movies, but they did it well. They didn't slap you in the face with it. It was just one of those things where it's like, hey, you know what, this sort of feels like this other movie. And as you went on, you're like, yeah, this sort of does. But you know what, they're doing it their own way, and I appreciate that. And I do kind of wish more movies would kind of do like a Jordan Peele or even like a Rob Zombie movie where they are more original and they come from ideas. I mean, don't get me wrong, Rob Zombie movies are definitely a derivative of like, say, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but, you know, I really admire directors like Zombie and even Jordan Peele, like I said, because, you know, you watch those movies and, you know, they're not based off of other movies or other stories, you know, look at Jordan Peele's movies like Get Out and Us, you know, that that doesn't come from anything that is straight from his imagination and that's why I think it's so bonkers because for him to come from Key and Peele where he's so funny and so animated and so you know slapstick and silly to now make a horror movie about you know psychotic you know doubles it's crazy it's like what is really going through that guy's mind and that's what I think separates a good director and a good movie from a not so good movie, not so good director. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think that story is probably the most important part of a movie. I think that having a good storyline really makes or breaks a film because if the if the movie has a really good story but it's bad CGI or it's bad acting, you can always just redo it. Like someone else can can come in and just you know they can reprise it, and they can bring it back up from the ashes. But if you have really good acting and good special effects but a bad story that really drags the entire thing behind because it's hard for people to get immersed into the film so no matter how good these actors are no matter how much they make you feel like this is a real scenario the story is so outlandish or just all around goofy that you can't really just dive into it and you can't really feel what the movie's trying to get across to you but again i feel like this movie i i the story is okay in my eyes but i, I think I, I we should just go straight into it so then <laughs> Everyone knows what we're talking about here. Okay, um, so, like I said, the movie's called Fear Farm. It's starring John Littlefield, Tiana Tuttle, and Amy Stolt. It was released in September of 2020, and, uh, the description is as follows. Uh, four people enter a corn maze for Halloween and are picked off one by one by the twisted family who own the scare attraction. So right off the bat, it doesn't sound awful. It doesn't sound awful at all. The twisted family, you know, corn maze... Both of us thought, this is Texas Chainsaw. This this is very much Texas Chainsaw. And as we go into it, you guys will understand why we say this. It, it is very much reminiscent of Texas Chainsaw, from the the, the, the freaks that are the family that, that hunt down these four teenagers, to just the, the all-around vibe of it, of, you know, searching through just, like, the woody area and then getting jump-scared by whatever in front of you or going through the trees or, or in this case the corn you know it just gives you a very very high sense of mystery i agree it kind of gave me the impression not as gritty of course but it reminded me a lot of the rob zombie movie 31 where um it was like a group of circus performers that got lost and kidnapped and they ended up in this even more jacked up circus they were being chased down by like the clowns and the circus performers and they basically had to survive 31 and so you know fear farm was not as gritty not even a little bit but i think the dynamic of like playing a game like they did in this movie and in that movie it gave me 31 vibes and that's one of my favorite movies so yeah, you're, wearing, you're wearing a shirt of it right now aren't you I, well this is house of a thousand corpses oh, but well that's that's my that's my <laughs> that's my not knowing of movies i guess but hey it's rob zombie right okay so i'm not i'm not completely off base yeah exactly. not completely off base there yeah okay uh so the movie starts off and this is how we're gonna do it you guys just just so you know we're gonna go down uh almost every single scene in this movie and we're gonna tell you we're like like we're gonna try to uh show you the movie through our words and try not to mess it up too bad along the way so it starts off with the credits like most movies do but also uh you get a good glimpse of a very naked woman running through the corn maze that we see later on and she's she's sprinting she's a little bloody she's 
she's she's running for her life and she escapes this corn maze and she comes face to face with this woman who isn't naked thank god and she is looking pissed she's looking like like real real angry at this lady like i don't know i don't know what what her deal is but yeah she's not she's not too happy with this this naked chick yeah it definitely i was surprised to see that because very few horror movies or even any movie in any genre really jump into the action straight out the gate and i remember looking at you and like she is naked like what's <laughs> going on here like that yeah, crazy. I was a little surprised myself. And a lot of movies, like horror movies, almost always have have tits in them. It's just boobs are a staple in horror. I don't know why. It's well, you know the rules. You've seen Scream. Yeah, you know. You can never have sex and never take a women. shower. You know, if you get naked, you're done. And this yeah, lady started exactly. off naked. It was it was doomed from the start for her. But you know, like movies, horror movies usually have boobs. I can't think of any other movies except for maybe uh, what's it called? Uh, I can't even think of it. it it's, it's, it's a virus movie and it, within the first 10 minutes you remember I was watching this horror movie within the first 10 minutes there was just a very very graphic uh, sex scene right off the bat I was watching it I remember that one oh, I, I can't remember I can't remember but uh, Cabin Fever that... it was oh, Cabin Fever yeah. Cabin yeah. Fever is one of the only movie, other movies I can think of where right off the bat we get sex except for maybe Friday the 13th yeah. but uh, but yeah like immediately first scene boobs like I was thinking to myself like man this is this is a movie that's not going to hold anything back but uh, unfortunately I feel like the rest of the film did not hold that energy of holy shit that's crazy uh, I think Eli Roth is I love Eli Roth I'm, I will never diss him he is one of my favorite people of all time but Eli Roth is what we like to call a shock director where he does things like that and a lot of his movies make you think that did that that yeah that just happened yeah. like hostile you know yeah no i got you yeah that's that's i i'm always a fan of shock horror but not when it's excessive you know like like i don't like a movie where it's like holy shit that's disgusting oh my god that's awful like the kind of movie where it's it only exists to gross you out unless you it has like a story Eli behind Ross, it <laughs> well i guess i guess we'll see <laughs> later down the line huh but I mean, um all the hostile movies he did cabin fever We'll think of it. Uh, yeah, we'll think of it sometime. Uh, but uh, this girl, right? This naked lady. She comes out. She sees angry lady, and from behind naked lady, we see what's been chasing her, and it's our little twisted family of of freaks. We get. Uh, let's see if I can list a few down. Noose neck. A guy with like a little noose around his neck. We got a guy with barbed wire around his face. A little little woman, little blonde woman who's skipping out, making us think of Harley Quinn. Uh, you know, there's a few, uh, a, a good few of them. And uh, she runs out, and she sprints past this this lady. And within the first, like she hits her, and this lady falls down, bashes her head on a rock. This lady is dead. This lady got bumped into by this naked chick and just fucking died. Like it was, it was. I was like, oh, is she is she just dead? Like is that it? But uh, naked chick keeps going. She goes into an empty field, and a truck pulls out in front of her. And at the time, we thought it was just a random guy, but we'll learn later on that it's a. Uh, it's a lot more than that. His name is Herschel, and uh, we'll get into that later on. But she sees him, she stops, she turns, and just like that, gets macheted in the face by Harley here. Like, it was it was so quick. It was those, so like, quick. Blink and you miss it type. Yeah, she turned and died, and then we were gone. Yeah. And that was it. And it was insane. Like, it was it was so fast action. And it, I, I, at least, like, getting into it, I was like, okay, this is going to be a bad horror movie. And it was. <laughs> like, that special effects for that scene, that the, the machete in the face, it was horrendous. It looked like you shoved a butter knife into, like, a mannequin's head. Like, like it completely stopped. It wasn't even CGI. They just literally took a mannequin. Like, I'm sure of it. Like, they brought in, like, a doll. And, like, they still liked it. You saw the machete coming down. And then it cut to the machete going into a doll's face. Like, there was not even any reaction. It just went in like a, you were cutting a cake. It kind of cracked me up because, yeah, it was like, <laughs> you blink and you miss it, but she was just, you know, she was all white in the face from seeing the truck, and she's like, oh my god, it's gonna come hit me. And yeah, as soon as she turns around, she gets the machete to the face, and it was one of those, like, <gasps> and she's dead, <laughs> oh my god. I don't even think she got enough time to, to gasp. She just fucking died. <laughs> she did a little bit, but god, it made me laugh. It I was, was like, it was funny. It was funny. I remember you feeling so guilty for not for for laughing at that, but it was I'm funny. My ass off. It was oh, goofy. Like I feel so bad. I'm like, am I supposed to laugh? It was goofy. It was. Uh, okay, so then we cut to a suburban neighborhood where where 
doing an overhead shot, you know, hanging on the bottom of a helicopter kind of thing. And it says, uh, I think it was 15 years later. So 15 years later, we get into the suburban neighborhood and we meet our four teenagers. Uh, we see, uh, we meet fucking, uh, oh, God damn it. Uh, let's see if I can remember their names. Because it, it kind of peeved us. We don't learn the first two people's names. So let's, let's, let's not skip ahead here. We go into a teenage boy's room. He's on his phone, he's texting his girlfriend, and, uh, you know, things are getting a little, uh, little, little spicy. He reaches for his, uh, lotion to, you know what, he knocks it down because he's an idiot, and he reaches down, and he, his hand gets grabbed by another hand from underneath his bed. He's like, ah, and it's just his girlfriend, who he's texting with, from underneath his bed, because who knows how long she's been down there. And they're texting, she comes out, and she's wearing this little tiny cheerleader outfit, and, uh, you know, they, they started crawling on top of each other. I honestly, I looked at you, I was like, bro, if this is a sex scene, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna skip over it. But uh, luckily, teenage boy's mom bursts in. Uh, she bursts in, ruins their little, their little fun time. And with her comes two other teenagers who we do learn the name of. That is Melissa and Rustin. And uh, so, so Rustin and Melissa, they come in. I guess they're cousins. They're cousins or, oh no, Rustin and Melissa are, are brother and sister. And they're just friends with a teenage boy and teenage girl. So, uh, they're over here doing their thing, and, uh, they start talking about, I don't know, some kind of Instagram drama, and Rustin overhears them, and they're like, hey, let's go to this fear farm, this fear attraction. Uh, I think it was called Fright Farm, as to not get copyrighted for Arizona's Fear Farm. Uh, but, uh, they're like, oh, let's go to this Fright Farm. And he's like, no, we can't go. Didn't you hear about the teenagers who were murdered in there? Like, like there was one girl who was, who was found mutilated, and all you found was a little chunk of her skin left over from, from, I don't know, whatever happened to her. And they were like, oh my gosh, like, this is so dumb. And he's like, no, I'm serious. And he shows them, and it's just a little jump scare, so he was goofing around. And uh, that's gonna be a big character trait. His entire existence is to goof around, which I appreciate. I feel um, like Rustin reminds me a lot of like Randy from Scream, where he knows what's going on and he tries to warn them, like, hey, this is what is going to happen. But nobody ever listens to them, and it's like, it makes me laugh because it's like, damn, if the crew in Scream 1 and Scream 2 before he died, if they just listened to Randy, they probably would have survived. And same thing here. I mean, if they would have just listened to Rustin, even though it was a practical joke, but it claimed to be true, apparently, you know, if they would just listen to what he had to say, they all would have survived. Absolutely. And of course, that wouldn't make for a very entertaining horror movie or any movie in general, but... Well, that's still, that's that, that's the classic horror movie trope. You know, the crazy old guy when you're going into the woods telling you, oh, if you go there, you'll die. You know, it's a, it's part of it. Like, you're just like, ah, ha, ha, you're crazy old man. But then us, the watchers, you know, that's, that's the dramatic irony of it. We're like, oh, you should listen to that old guy. But they never do. And that, you know, that makes you kind of slap your knee throughout the entire rest of the movie. Like, oh, you should have listened. You damn fool. You should have listened. But, you know, that's just, like I said, it's just part of the horror movie experience. You know, it really, like, the, it, they're, they're hitting all the, they're hitting all the signs here on their way to horror movie start. But, um, these teenagers, they decide they're going to go to Horn Maze. And as they're leaving, I know this kind of, this kind of made both of us kind of uh, angry, a little uncomfortable. But, right, this, this, this teenage girl, she is wearing a little cheerleader outfit to kind of have fun with her boyfriend. They won't let her change out of it. They're going to this corn maze for the entirety of the day. And she's wearing this little tiny, uh, this little tiny cheerleader outfit, and none of them will let her go home and change. They're all like, "Oh no, you know we're horny teenagers. You look good." And she's like, she's like "Come on, guys, just let me go change. I don't want to walk through a corn maze wearing the tiniest dress in existence." But like, "Nope, you're 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 staying in that." And that that she doesn't protest. They drive away. She let herself get outvoted into looking like a slut for the rest of this film. So uh, I originally predicted that she would die first because you know, fucking, that's just what happens. I thought they'd find her mangled corpse somewhere along the line, but uh, I was wrong about that. Uh, we cut to the murder gang that we saw originally, the Twisted Family, and they're over here plotting something. And uh, I honestly, I didn't like this because it was like right off the bat, they were like, oh, by the way, this is the family and you don't get any surprise down the line. We don't get any like mystery of what's gonna happen, when they're gonna come, like what's their plan. Uh, we get them having some kind of pre pre uh, preparation seminar and they're talking to each other like, okay, we gotta not be messy this time. We gotta be careful. We gotta blah, blah, blah. And, um, you 
know, where we're talking about murder costs, how it costs too much to clean up or whatever. Uh, we're going down, we're going down this list of meeting everyone, you know, we got Neusnack, we got this, uh, Andy character, we got, uh, Barbed Wire Dude, and they all start praying to Mama, who is that lady we saw die in the first scene. And, uh, they're, they're doing a little religious thing, Re religious, sorry, religious thing, they're like, oh, Mama, we'll make you proud, we'll, we'll make you, you know, we'll make you happy, we know you're in heaven, even though she definitely is not. Uh... That in itself is just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was like, oh my god. The fact that they were praying to her and that she was an integral part of what they were doing really made me look at you and be like, that's crazy. The good thing is they didn't have Mama's mangled skeleton and corpse, you know, rotting at the dinner table. Well, so. we didn't see it. <laughs> no telling if they had it or not. I hope they don't have it, but honestly, that would just cement their place as the Firefly family. You know, with how weird these people were, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But uh, we cut back to the teens, who just uh, arrived at the Bright Farm. Uh, Rustin wants to be famous, and uh, he's a little egotistical bitch. And he has crabs. <laughs> he's got crabs. That was a big... There was like a whole, like a whole 30 seconds of him talking about how Rustin has crabs. It was great. It was great. You uh, don't hear that. I mean, not that you want to hear that, but like, <laughs> but like, as far as like horror movies or anything, I'm just like... Okay, why? Right? Like, <laughs> it's just one of those things that you just sprinkle in there for, oh, oh You don't okay. talk about that. I'm like... Also in that scene was, um, a teenage boy got jump scared in the toilet. He went oh, to, he went to use the porta potty and some gremlin dude hopped out of him and he was like, he was a person in a mask. But he was like, oh, get out of my porta potty, it's occupado. <laughs> it was so fucking I'm like, okay, hold on a minute. Porta potties are fucking gross. Like, the amount of shit and piss that are in those things and... You're just hiding out, trying to scare somebody. Like, I, I can understand wanting to get that perfect scare because I used to be a haunted attraction actor. But at the same time, that's a little ridiculous. That that's too much. <laughs> and you would never catch me hiding out in a porta potty waiting to scare somebody. <laughs> Maybe outside the porta potty, absolutely, I would do that. But inside, no. You're not no. dedicated enough. <laughs> You're not I dedicated guess enough. Not, dude. You gotta be able to take the extra, take the extra step, take the I'd extra I'd rather mile. not take a bath in people's piss and shit, but that's just me. <laughs> hey man, you know what? You do you. Everybody has their own, uh, has their own opinions about that. I personally, I'd take a dive in to scare the shit out of you. lying already. <laughs> um, uh, we get the, we get the girls. The girls are going on their own merry way. The boys are hanging out in the toilets. And, uh, we meet Scarecrow Guy. We don't really meet him, but we see him. And he teleports away. Like, just like that. It wasn't like one of those things like like a, like they turn a corner and he's gone. He was standing there. She looked away, blocked him with her head, and then turned back and he was just gone. So, you know, that's another uh, classic horror movie trope. But uh, that's going to be another factor for the rest of the movie is that this scarecrow guy can teleport. And it's it's goofy. Uh, random team girl's a bitch. She calls uh, uh, our little cheerleader pal a slut. No, she's like messing with her. Oh, because and, she has a crush on her. Yeah. No, no, it was the other girl. It was the second girl. This is a random, random chick with her boyfriend. And she was oh, like, she's like, oh, I a fucking one, two, three, four, you're a whore. And then left. I don't know if that was it. <laughs> but um, they walked away. They all get they all get stamped. And at this point, and this point alone, I think, is where we, uh, we learn their names. Uh, teenage boy one is Brandon. And teenage girl, his girlfriend, is Wendy. So it's Brandon, Wendy, Mel, and Rustin. So that I think it was weird that we learned that so late in the movie. Like it wasn't like it wasn't just like ten minutes in, fifteen minutes in. It was like a good half hour into the movie that we learned their names. And I think that was really good because I'm over here with this script, like, what is their fucking name? I keep writing just blank spots, like, what is your name? There's only a few movies I think I've ever seen, movies and books that I've read where don't know that character's name for a while. One of them, of course, probably one of the best known examples of that is Fight Club. Fight Club. But that's only thing. because the narrator is technically in therapy. So, yeah. even though we don't see him in therapy, if you read the book by Chuck Palahniuk, <laughs> he's in therapy. So, the reason why he's the narrator and narrating everything is because when you watch the movie, of course, you know, him talking about Tyler and that kind of thing, it's all a, recollect a recollection he's talking to his therapist. But because, you know, books and movies don't closely correlate, 
they didn't want to show him in therapy because they also didn't want to say his name. Right. It's just it's one of those things. Like if done right, it can be done really well. It's an, it's an element of mystery. Um, like Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, like Fight Club. Like um, uh, I think it's called Identity with John Cusack. You oh, don't yeah. learn who the yeah. person that's. You don't know, learn who these people are until later in, and then uh, also. Uh, I'm trying to think of another one. We There's don't that book, I Am Number 4, but they're all, like, different numbers, like Slipknot. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know their names. You know, Paul Craig, rest in peace. Joey Jordison, also rest in peace, were number one and number two. But, I'm sorry, number zero and number one. Um, but we still knew their names. But, yeah, I Am Number 4. It was always number four, number three. You never knew their names until the end of the movie. Right. So, I agree. Right, and even even if you want to take it a step further and go to uh, Hellraiser, oh, yeah. people called him Pinhead because he had pins in his head, but you never really learned his name until, I don't even know, because I haven't seen all the movies, but uh, you said his name is Hellpriest. Is that, is that ever blatantly told to you in the movies? No. See, That's it's an anthology by Clive Barker. Clive Barker, so Clive Barker, for anybody who doesn't know, and I'm talking to you also, Clive Barker is an author. So before Hellraiser, before making a movie, he was a book author and a producer. He has his hand in pretty much every cookie jar you can think of. And after the three Hellraiser movies came out, he made an anthology kind of discussing the Cenobites and their race of people. And yeah, that's when it was confirmed that Pinhead's real name is Hellpriest because he's, you know, the leader of the Cenobites. They kind of claim him as, you know, the Hall and Mighty, basically. You know what I mean? He's obviously not the devil, but, you know. Might as well be. Yeah. But, you know, the way that in which he has actions are very much like the devil, so they call him the Hell Priest. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it does. It's cool. And I think that's a good element of surprise, but, I mean, for the two main characters in the movie to not have that, I think is weird. But we've been we've been sitting on this one for a while, so let's, let's just move on here. Uh, so they keep going. They meet back up, and they go in to get stamped for this maze. And Mel, Mel is special. It's a, she's a 10,000th customer, I think. So Herschel drives up himself in his truck and he's like oh you get the vip maze experience and they're all like oh i don't want a vip maze experience like oh, that sounds lame and he's like oh by the way you all get like two thousand dollars uh or you get two thousand dollars if you win and he's like you man you know what you know what let's make it like i don't know it was fucking uh ten thousand dollars he made it ten thousand dollars because he's a maniac and so, uh, if they finish, they get $10,000, and, you know, them being teenagers, they're like, holy shit, $10,000, I'll be rich, I'll be rich for you forever, you know, this is huge! So, of course, they do it. They, uh, they are like, yeah, and Rustin completely forgets how people were murdered there, and, uh, just thought, man, going away from the public into a secluded maze for money seems like a good idea. But, you know, that's horror movies for ya. Um, they get into the truck, they're a little paintball guns, this peeved us, it's not really important scene at all, but, uh, I know it made both of us a little, little angry, you know, t kids will be, kids will be kids, uh, teenagers are usually dicks, but they had little paintballs, and they went up to these actors, and they were able to, like, you know, shoot them with paintballs, and Rustin over here, being Rustin, is like, oh, hey, aim for the nuts, <laughs> so they just start shooting all these poor actors in the nuts with paintballs, and I think that, I don't know, it's just looking at that scene, I was like, man, I'd be so mad, <laughs> I'd be so mad. As an actor, again, like myself, you know, whenever somebody, you know, hurts you or, like, purposefully tries to intimidate you, that's the worst kind of person, you know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, not everybody's gonna be scared and that's okay, but at the same time, respect the fact that somebody is trying to put on a show for you. And yeah, to watch Rustin do that, I mean, part of me is like, okay, whatever, that's just his character, no big deal. The other half of me is like, seriously? Seriously, because I've dealt with a bunch of hecklers in my time as well. Granted, I was only a hunter for like two, three years, but regardless, we've definitely dealt with our fair share. Right, right, and I, I can assume so. People are people are not good. Uh, okay, so we get to the we get to the source of this maze, right? And they can choose from five different different paths. But Herschel over here is like, okay, let me give you a little tip. Don't go down the middle path. It's a dead end. So they, uh, you know, four paths, four kids, they all go down them. Because splitting up is the absolute best thing you can do in a horror movie, as everyone knows. Uh, so they all split up. Uh, the kids go through the maze. There's spooky dudes that jump out at, at uh, Wendy, who is still in the cheerleader outfit. And they're mean to her. Everyone is mean to her in this poor cheerleader's outfit. Like, she's already miserable enough. You know, she's just sitting over here getting shit on. It's like some... 
some messed up shit, man. It's like it's like she's the uh, she's the comic relief. Is just people being mean to her, even though Rustin is fucking hilarious. I can't I can't get over. You guys will hear me simping over uh, Rustin here a lot, but I just love him so much. And yes, like you keep telling me, it's because he's me. Like he's literally me, uh, in every way, from his mannerisms to just just his look, his general look, his his attitude. It's literally all reminiscent of me. So if I was a meaner person, I feel like I would be definitely Rustin. But uh, we'll just move on from that and not mention it again. <laughs> um, spooky dudes are mean. Uh, Rustin takes a leak, uh, which I thought was important enough to write down. And then Rustin, we're still on Rustin, gives acting advice to this scarecrow, uh, this teleporting scarecrow. He's standing over there, Jason style, just kind of looking around. He's not, he's not moving at all. He's standing there. Rustin's like patting his chest. He's trying to get him to break character. Flips him off, he becomes a dick really quick, and uh, somehow Rustin doesn't get murdered right there, which kind of surprised me because I really thought he was about to get his head chopped off. But uh, nope, we get Melanie who steps onto a platform and gets to see the entire maze, which I think was weird. Uh, for a second, I was like, oh, did she win? But no, it was just a giant stair platform that she walked up and was just there for no reason, probably just to show us the girth of this maze, just to show us that they are absolutely lost. Uh, but uh, the camera. I also thought this was important, I don't know why, but the camera started spinning around her and made both of us dizzy. <laughs> but then I guess we both have motion sickness, so it was not good for us. But the camera went around, it, it was... It was It was good to establish the, like, oblivion that is the maze. And yeah. it was good to, like, show the insanity that it is, but, man, like, I, I don't get afraid of very much, but I do kind of have a small, like, internal phobia of, like, being lost. Or at least separated from somebody. You know what I mean? Like, if I get lost, but it's like I know where I'm going, I'm okay. But it's like if I'm lost and like I don't know where I'm going and I don't know where I am, and I'll, that that level of anxiety is unmatched for me. Right. Well, that's kind of an that's kind of a, a innate fear in us. It's kind of animalistic. It's like you know we don't want to be stray from the crowd. We don't want to be away from our people. You know, it's like. You know, it's just part of us, like being Especially being by ourselves. We don't know where we are. Exactly, being by ourselves, being lost. You know, it's that's why there are so many psychological movies about being lost in the jungle, like that movie. Uh, what's it? Uh, no, no, not Robin Williams. Uh, it was Daniel Radcliffe. Oh. I can't remember what it's called. It might have been. I, I I can't remember. But it was Daniel Radcliffe, and he was uh, mountain climbing with a few friends, and they all died. And he was just Daniel Radcliffe stuck alone in the woods, and he was going insane until he was finally rescued. But yeah, Robin Williams' uh, Castaway is also a really no, good. That's, one. Tom that's Tom Hanks. That's Tom Hanks. That's my bad. That's that's my own stupidity there. I think uh, that's Hanks. the movie that really kind of set that fear, like kind of like Jaws made people afraid of sharks. I think Castaway is really what kind of internalized that fear of like getting lost or stranded somewhere, you know. But honestly. Yeah, let's talk about how sad it, the scene was when he lost Wilson, though. When he's screaming at you, I'm sorry, Wilson. Wilson, come back. I'm sorry. That was that the saddest. That movie is so devastating. I can't even watch it. It was. It, I, I'll tell you the truth, man. I've never seen it. All really? I know is no, no. It's one of the biggest staples in movie history. I've never seen it. it not is once. Heartbreaking. I can only assume. If you want to cry, watch that movie. It's. I'll be honest, I've never cried during a movie except for Harry and the Hendersons when I was young. <laughs> he slaps Bigfoot, come on, how can I not? But, um, but uh, yeah, you know, I've never seen it, but I know the movie, you know, like, I, I know the scenes in the movie, especially the, the when he lost Wilson, and that was, that was rough even just to watch that one scene. Nah, that movie messed me up. I mean, I'm over it now, but, like, Obviously. the idea of, like, being stranded and, like, lost, get back into this movie though brandon is over here doing his own path and he meets harley uh i think i wrote her down as murder chick but i'm just gonna keep referring to her as harley because she really makes me think of dc's harley quinn but uh he meets harley she tries to smash him she's like oh you know what you know it's just you and me out here we're in a maze he's like i got a girlfriend she's like you know what nobody else has to know and he's like dude i'd love to fuck you but like i'm not going to She's like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then she stabs him in the leg and is like, oh, you get a head start. And he's like, holy shit. And he starts running away and she's counting, you know, she's all goofy. She's like covering her eyes, she's like one, two. And then she starts skipping after him. Uh, he takes off, you know, we cut back to Mel who just met Chainsaw Dude, who is also the guy with the, with the barbed wire. So I'm gonna keep calling him Chainsaw Dude. It is the same as barbed wire guy. Yeah, he's got like a little sack over his head. 
barbed wire around his face. And speaking of that barbed wire head, he slams it into Mel's. He headbutts her, and she's just all like, oh, holy shit, which I'm surprised that didn't do more damage now that I'm thinking back on it. Barbed wire is sharp. Barbed oh, wire is and rough. Sticks. Yeah, and and it's like not easy. pressure. You can't just pull it out of your face or wherever. Like it, it hurts. No, like he headbutted her, and it was a big dude. I'm surprised that she didn't gash her forehead open, but she didn't. Yep. It was a little bit of blood, you know. You know the classic uh, right side of your forehead coming from your coming from your hair blood that's always around. But no, she got up. Uh, she she uh, fucking gets out of there. She's fast. And she hides, and he's zooming around. He's going full leather face. He's like, he's like, he's fucking swinging his chainsaw around, cutting the corn. He's like, oh, I can't fucking believe this. And uh, he's he's uh, shaving everything around. He's cutting down the the corn maze, and he, he leaves. Uh, we get back to Brandon, who got cornered by Chainsaw Dude and Murder Chick. You know, Chainsaw Dude walked away. Uh, and we get Murder Chick too, who is you know Harley. Sorry, I'm still have written down his Murder Chick here, but Harley and uh, Chainsaw catch him. And uh, Harley uh, drugs him, knocks him out, and takes him back to, quote-unquote, the lab. Or at least Chainsaw Dude does. It was adorable. You remember? It was adorable. She's like, she's like, why are you over here? What about the other girl? And he's like, she's fast. And she's like, what do you mean he's fast? You're just a killer. Just like, she's like, oh, I can't carry this big guy all the way home. Chainsaw Dude's over here like, oh, I can. She's like, yes, you can. And it was so it was That's unreasonably was cute. That's where I was just like, okay, are we serious right now? Yeah, that That's was cute. kind of stupid. That was cute, but he's like, I can carry her. She's like, yeah, you can. And uh, she goes out to find Mel. Uh, Rustin is being mean. He throws oranges at the teleporting scarecrow, who then chopped off his arm. <laughs> scarecrow just came over and removed my man Rustin's arm right off his body. And Rustin did one of those kind of like, just kind of like stopped and slowly looked over at his now missing limb. And he's like, oh, that's kind of crazy. And then he just collapsed. He didn't scream, he didn't yell, he didn't faint. He just kind of looked at his arm and he's like, oh. And then he fell down and started trying to crawl away. Well, no, he, he started, he didn't fall. That's my bad. He started walking, running away. And then he stopped running, he started walking. Okay. And then he fell down and started I crawling. the movie a little bit because that special effects wound, if you want to call it that, that was like a honey ham. I'm sorry, but I was looking at this and I'm like, look, not everybody has the budget of a zombie movie, you know, where like the makeup is on point, like right. Walking Dead or like 28 Days Later. But really, that guy looked like he had a honey ham on his arm. Like, it looked like you were taking, it looked like you had like a water bottle with like a spritzer on it, and, like you were spraying the yeah. blood out of him. Yeah, exactly. Like out of his arm. Like it wasn't even like a consistent stream, it was just like, psh, psh, psh. And it was like a honey ham, and then he looked at yeah. it, and he was like, oh, I got my arm cut off. I'm going to pass out right now. Yeah, and then he just walked away, and then he forgot how to, he forgot how to run, and then he started walking, and then he forgot how to walk, so he fell, and I started crawling, and then he just laid down. Uh, that was really goofy scene. I'm not going to lie to you. That was really, that was a goofy scene. Uh, Have fun with your honey ham. Yeah, literally. And then a noose neck appeared with his car. <laughs> Uh, and he, uh, uh, teleporting scarecrow walked over to him and they started chatting. And then Mel comes out of nowhere and starts, uh, trying to help Rustin, who literally, that was probably the funniest scene. He's like dying. And then he's like, he's like, I need you to go home and burn my porn. There's some nasty shit, some real fetish shit there. It was funny. It was insanely funny. It went on for way too long. He was like, he was like, there's some wild shit there man like you will not believe what you see just don't look at it just burn it and then he's like he's like you a bitch you dumb i hate you and then he's like Ugh. was that good and he gets back up she you knows she's all crying because her brother is dying he, he dies and he's like was that good did you believe it she's like uh, blah 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 and then he fucking dies he gets up she gets she gets tackled by uh by i think chainsaw dude he tackles her and then starts strangling her and it's all rustin's fault <laughs> And he gets up and he starts limping away, not even trying to help his sister. He's walking towards the car and he gets destroyed. The car plows in him, blood everywhere. And we don't even see a body after that. It was like, it was like literally it hit him and he exploded like a water balloon. I was about to say, I think it was like roadkill. I think he's on that car somewhere. Yeah, it was weird. And uh, Mel shoved her knife into Noose Neck's head, like into his skull. Like she rammed it in and uh we get back to murder chick 
who gives me uh, Harley Quinn vibes, like I already said. Uh, I don't know why I said that again, but you know, I'm just trying to read the script here. Uh, he, uh, she has Brandon here, and he's tied up to a table. And she's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he's like, you can just let me go. And she's like, yeah, but I'm not going to. She takes, uh, fucking, what is it called? She says it like 600 times. Uh, I'm sure I've written down here. Fucking, uh, 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 talk, talk. I'm reading. Dermatone. <laughs> it's a dermatone. It was like a fucking potato peeler. <laughs> she just took off part of his leg. And he's like, ah. Oh. It literally just part of his thigh. Literally just part of his thigh. And she removed it with a dermatone. And he died. That was the dumbest freaking thing I have ever seen. Like, look, I can understand, like, losing a lot of blood. But literally, she literally sliced a sliver of thigh skin off, and the guy died. Like, it was nothing. No, like, uh, we're not even exaggerating here. Kidding? He literally died right then. Like, we watched it happen. Like, she sliced off a small bit of skin from his thigh, like, and bro. he died. He like, just bro, I had open heart surgery. Died. I got tattooed. I've hurt myself multiple times. Like, I had a burn at one point. Like, I've had more things happen to you than, like, getting your little sliver of thigh taken out and dying. Like, if that was how people die, I'd have died a long time ago getting heart surgery. Yeah, it was, it was something. It was something, it was I tell so you. what. And now, for the first time in so long, we get back to Wendy. We see Wendy again, and it was the first time since this entire maze began that we actually get to see Wendy. So she's walking, and she meets Frosty the Clown, and his, uh, his sidekick fucking, what was his name? Uh, Frosty the Clown and Kevin. His, his little sidekick, Kevin. They, they run an ice cream junk. And he's like, oh, do you want some ice cream? She's like, nah. And he's like, he starts crying, you know, like clowns. You're like, uh-huh. And she's like, okay, you know what? I'm sure it's delicious. Maybe I'll see you at the end of the maze. She starts walking away. He sneaks into the, uh, corn. And then she she gets strangled. He comes up behind her with uh, I like to call it the kink stick. She he puts it around her neck and starts strangling her with it, right? Uh, and and she's kicking around. She's trying to escape. And then Mel, the absolute hero, comes out to help Wendy, who escaped the uh, the kink stick by uh, by a couple crotch crotch shots, I think. And she gets away. And uh, Mel bursts out the corn just in time to see Wendy get harpooned through the leg by a built-in harpoon in the back of the ice cream truck by my man Kevin. And uh, she's like, oh my god, and doesn't even try to help while she's seeing Wendy get dragged away. She's like, wow. And then she goes the opposite direction. Uh, and she gets into a lab. Mel gets into a lab, and it's hang uh, chains are hanging, there's shelves everywhere. And guess who she runs into again? Her old pal, Headbutter. And uh, he, he chokes her, and I thought that was her end, but no, she was just knocked unconscious. Uh, she was knocked unconscious, she found herself tied up in a chair. Right next to her was Wendy, whose leg is awful. Her leg is just covered in blood, it's all gashed open, it's not good. And Mel's like, don't worry Wendy, I'll get you out of here, I'll get both of us out of here, you know, uh, we'll, we'll survive this. And then the uh, the rest of the gang survives. I mean, the rest of the gang, you know, the murder gang, they come out. And they're like, listen, okay, we're going to tell you our entire evil plan like we do. So it was a little bit of an instance of a superhero movie there. But they're like, listen, okay, you guys have chemicals in your blood that, uh, that are special. And they are going to help us create an ageless face cream. Because that's what the movie was. The entire movie was them kidnapping people who had a special chemical in their blood. So then they can make face cream that makes them young forever so uh that was weird but uh wendy gets shot or not shot i think she got her throat slit and she died like in like three seconds but uh yeah herschel finished her off and then they were like oh we got to keep you alive mel and she breaks out of her ropes and she grabs a neck uh, a knife and she slits her own throat or you know what wendy didn't get her throat slit she got stabbed a couple times in the chest but yeah mel was like oh you need me alive huh you need me alive huh and she slit her own throat and everyone's like no but you know and then it cuts back to uh to regular world it's months later i think it was like four months later and we get back to fright farm again and brandon's mom is looking around she's all distraught she's like have you seen this boy and it's murder chick and she's like no i haven't seen your boy have you and it was herschel and he was like no i haven't seen him he looks like a good boy and then uh wendy I mean, not Wendy, sorry, uh, Harley. She was like, oh, here, Brandon's mom, why don't you try some of this face cream? Which I would like you all to remember is skin 
of her son. It is his skin. And uh, Brandon's mom puts it on, and it literally made her face young. And I'll tell you, it was the best CGI in the movie. Can I just say one thing about that scene? That was so scary because we all know at this point that this is Brandon in the lotion. And she doesn't know. It's one of those dramatic irony moments, which I love dramatic irony. You know, I think it's fun. But because we knew it and she didn't, I looked at you as she was bathing herself. Yeah, mind you, she didn't just dip it onto her face. Oh, maybe I'll do a little... No, it was like a face wash. She took it in both of her hands and went, Oh, yeah, let me get a little bit of my hair, a little bit of my hand. She put it on. I'm like, God damn, they just gave you a sample. Relax. Like, what the hell? She bathed herself in that. And, yeah, I looked at him. I'm like, she realized that's her kid, right? Like, hold on a minute. No, she doesn't. That's the worst part, is that yeah. she's literally putting on his dead skin. She, or, uh, I guess it was living at the moment, huh? She put his skin on her face. She's like, yeah, yeah. And it literally it literally made her young. Like, she had, you know, like, average 40-year-old mom. You know, she had crow's feet and shit. Like she put it on, dude. and it made her literally young. And it was weird. It was weird. And that was the end of the movie. The movie ended right there. I will say, there's like a scent. I think it's Cedarwood, if I'm not mistaken. But... There's a scene in the beginning of the movie where, like, Brandon has, like, a scent or something. Like, a very, like, a musk that's, like, his. I think, I want to say it's Cedarwood. Um, but, like, the way the mom talked about it was, like, was, like, oh, like, Cedarwood is so well-known for you. You're always, you're never without it. And, yeah, at the end of the movie, like, once she becomes young again, it's, like, she's, like, huh, it's, like, Cedarwood. And I'm like, because it, it was the, branded. it was so, that was the single craziest scene in the entire thing. She put it on, yeah, and she's like, she's like, hmm, smells like, smells like pine, just like Brandon's room. And then she just goes about her merry way. And I was like, Ugh! You and I both looked at each other like, son of a bitch. Like, yes, there's a pretty good was it reason. Pine? I thought it was cedarwood. I can't remember. I it might have been mint, actually. It was something. It was like something, that. yeah. It was, it was something along those lines. But yeah, it was, ugh. Uh, that was painful. That was painful. That was one of those scenes where like, no, don't do it. You know, like, don't go into the basement. Don't dramatic put your son's irony. skin onto your face. Yeah, yeah, no, dramatic irony is where it's at. Uh, now, though, we get to the fun stuff. I like to call it the top three. Uh, we, we like this. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going yes, for do. here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so this is the next step. For all of you first-time listeners, because this is the first episode, everyone's a first-time listener. I need to fucking slow down here. But, um, top three. Best scene, best kill, best character. So, uh, like last time, because this is a re-recording, because we're idiots. <laughs> but, uh, I want you to go first. Okay. So, uh, I think first things first, uh, best kill. And, yeah, I want to hear your opinion first, because I have mine all written down here. So, the best kill in the movie. I don't know if I have a best kill, because, honestly, all of them were a little bit on the more predictable side. I guess if we had to really pick one, I guess Rustin, because his was the most, like, holy shit of all of them. Because Naked Girl in the beginning, we knew she was going to die. Brandon got literally a sliver of thigh skin and he's dead, so that was lame. And then Wendy, she got stabbed a couple times, which that sucks, but I've seen enough horror movies to be like, okay, I'm over it. And then Mel killed herself, so yeah. that also sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. So I think Rustin, if I had to pick one, I think Rustin, because, yeah, that was that was an unexpected, like, holy shit moment, because unlike Naked Girl in the beginning, you didn't see the car. So, like, that was, it wasn't a jump scare, but it was definitely, like, a what the fuck just, you know? Yeah, it was very You quick. had to, like, catch your breath and be like, wow, that just happened, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I'm also going to choose Rustin's kill, again, because there weren't a lot of whole, uh, a whole lot of cool kills. There weren't a whole lot of cool things, but man still got demolished by that truck. It wrecked him. There was blood everywhere. It was cool. I'm not going to lie to you. It being the only cool kill, it was a cool kill. I'll agree. Alright, uh, next up is the best overall scene. 
so that could be for you know many reasons maybe it was the coolest scene maybe it was funny i don't know that uh that is however you choose to depict the best scene so what what do you think was the best scene i gotta say i mean because of my own personal interest i think it was interesting when wendy met the clown you know what i mean because i am a huge aficionado of like old freak shows and clowns and for me that was kind of aesthetically pleasing because the idea that two crooked clowns have a ice cream truck in the middle of a corn maze and even though they might kill you they're out there like doing their thing that was really cool to me i yeah i just I, like i said my guys frosty and kevin yeah dude. <laughs> i have an affinity for clowns i don't know what it is i mean i you know i don't seek them out i don't you know whatever but i'm definitely drawn in to that kind of thing. That's what makes us so different. Is I hate clowns. Oh, I, I clowns. despise clowns. I'm not a. I I am afraid of them, but I I just hate them. I hate everything about clowns, and it's because it's not like oh no the makeup, but it's just the mystery of it. Like clowns can be literally anybody. Uh, like like anybody could be underneath the makeup like there's so many horror movies that play into that but fucking i hate it so much it makes me so uncomfortable no see i love it i will literally go to a circus just to look at the clowns yeah i know you will because you're, you're a fucking maniac yeah well i'm wearing a clown on my shirt right now <laughs> but uh okay so best scene you say uh you say the one with frosty and mm-hmm. kevin when they meet wendy even when they like hogtie her and like chase like drive down and she's like you know yeah being dragged like you know i didn't love that but i mean it was interesting like i said it gave me 31 vibes so. i'm gonna go with uh a tie between rustin's death and mallory's death for rustin i say it's the best because it was fucking hilarious and <laughs> i'm not even lying to you guys like it was so funny it was so good and for mallory's death it's 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 kind of a sadistic choice on my turn but i'm kind of a sadistic guy <laughs> but uh <laughs> uh because uh, mallory she promised to save herself and wendy and then watching both of them die was kind of it was it was metaphorical in a way it was it was a kind of a look at the morbid reality of life you know they were gonna die and she's like i promise i'll save you and then both of them died so i don't know i don't know that was kind of like my own dark choice like i kind of like saw that i was like <laughs> oh, you deserve that <laughs> you know it's just, that's just my own my own demons i will say that if mel had to die i'm glad that she died you know i i don't of course i don't support suicide or anything but the fact that she preserved herself that's honorable yeah that is honorable because she, you know she wouldn't let herself stay alive at least she was brave enough to do so you know like it's kind of a big choice yeah. but you know like she killed herself as, so then these people couldn't have her forever they couldn't continue making their face cream uh, they didn't end up making it with the skin that they did have but uh hopefully somewhere down the line they'll run out and they will die so you know that's that's a good thing uh i think for this last one uh this is best character and i think we i think we both agree on this one unless you've changed your mind uh i think we both say rustin oh yeah definitely rustin yeah rustin had Rustin was so fucking funny, and and we both obviously saw that he reminded me of me, and me being me, bonus points for reminding me of me. <laughs> I I love I said me around six times now, but I love me, like I'm great, and uh, you know just another character that makes me see that, and like I'm like ah hey I know that guy, I, I appreciate that. But no, it was, it was also uh, he was just one of the only characters I saw and like didn't get pissed at for his choices. It was just everything he did was so dumb and goofy that it was goofy. You know, it was silly. Uh, I think he was a dick. He was probably the biggest dick out of them all. He was just an all-around jerk. But, uh, you know, it, it was kind of played into his character. Rustin reminds me a lot of Randy Meeks from Scream. Right. Where, like, you know, again, he's that spaz that, you know, warns everybody that something bad is going to happen. And he's kind of that know-it-all to say, like, you know, I know more about anything than you do. And here's why listen to me and you know like randy meeks and scream he died in the movie which sucks um but i do appreciate <clears throat> i do appreciate that character arc and i really think it's cool and shout out to jamie kennedy who we saw and met at bad monster this last year so i don't know rustin rustin has my vote yeah and monster was great Mad monster was beautiful no no, no. Oh, yeah we saw the we saw most of the Scream cast there. Well, maybe not most, but most of the big names. Skeet Ulrich, Matt, Matt Lillard, Lillard. Uh, Jamie Kennedy. That was 
I'll never, I'll no, never Campbell stop thanking you for taking me with you. But, uh, but yeah, it was a great time. It was a great time. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely see it. He's like that, that comic relief kind of character. Like you see him, like you kind of like, ah, ha, that's kind of goofy. Bells. You're like, yeah, yeah, no, he's right. Listen to him, but no one ever does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's that's it for the top three. But now we have uh, some scoring to do. So we have four variables here. So let's go down them one at a time. All right. All of these are out of ten. All right. Again, we're gonna go with you first. So uh, first things first, the acting. Out of ten. 10 being, uh, let's not, let, let's say 1 out of 10 in bad terms, so 10 won't be, won't be fucking, uh, Titanic, but let's say 10 would be, uh, uh, I don't know, what's another good movie that's not amazing, you know, just good movie. 10 is good movie, you know, you're watching it and you get immersed. 1 is fucking, uh, Tobias Funke from Arrested Development, that kind of level of acting. Everybody loves Tobias. Like, Tobias is the bomb, but he's not a good actor. So, number one is Tobias Fiumke. Number ten is, you know, good movie. Just generally good movie. Yeah. Um, I'd probably give it a seven. I think, you know, it's not as bad as Tobias playing in Fantastic Four in the jail. <laughs> but, um, I say seven because in hindsight, you know... It felt like an indie horror film to me. And, you know, with indie horror films, you know, if you don't know what indie horror film is, indie horror film is literally independent horror. So it won't be produced in Hollywood or made in Hollywood. It is made by, say, somebody in a college project. Which I think this was. I think this was because uh, I really think the so studio too. wasn't a name that we recognized. The studio, let me go backwards here, uh, Indican Pictures. Indican Pictures and Dante Your directed it. And I don't know either of those names. I feel like it was probably somebody's like senior project in college, you know. And yeah. you know, I'm not dissing that. I'm not saying like, oh, you did terrible for your senior. Yeah, no, project. there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? But it gave me that impression and gave me that vibe. So I give it a seven. You know, good enough to where you know it was like, okay, this is solid, but not enough to where it's like, you know, damn, ten out of ten would watch again. You know. Right. I'm actually gonna. I'm actually going to uh, a one up you there. I'm gonna say nine out of ten because I thought the acting at least was very on point. I thought that the that the uh, the reactions minus the Rustin scene where he lost his arm. I thought most of the acting there was all really good from the uh, the killers uh, Herschel to the teenagers to even the mom at the very end. I thought all the acting was like really good. I thought that it felt very real. Uh, so, you know, that, that's just my choice. I think, uh, I think maybe, maybe even eight. Eight, eight, it, at most, I'd give it a nine. I'm not gonna go up to ten, but nine, nine is my choice here. Nine out of ten, I think the, the acting was on point. So next up here, we're going to go with the special effects, and I think we're both going to agree here with a two out of ten. Two out of ten. I'm only giving it, uh, more than a one, because at the very end, the mom, uh, becoming young again wasn't bad wasn't bad but everything else all the other special effects in the movie was more awful god awful yeah i think uh, it's tough i mean you know you can tell that they definitely had a low budget when it came to special effects and, you know for me i try not to judge too harshly because again special effects makeup is expensive and not only that but there are some damn good artists in, in and around hollywood that make special effects effects magic but for me, it's Tom Savini or Bust. You know, Tom Savini or Jack Pierce or Bust for me. And I think that this movie, they definitely tried, so I'll give them props, but it definitely fell under the mark, so I would give that maybe a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10? You're too generous. You're too generous. Well, okay, it wasn't awful enough to give it anything lower than a 5. You know what I mean? Because it was good. You know what I mean? His wound... It looked like a honey ham, but I, it looked realistic enough to be like, wow, okay, he got his arm cut off. And then, you know, there was that whole lab scene and everything like that. So that, you know, I'll say had some merit to it, but it was definitely way below average. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think I can agree with you there. I really don't. I, I feel like, I feel like it was really bad from the beginning scene all the way through to the end. The only good special effects I think I saw were at the very end when the mom put on the mat, uh, the face makeup and it changed her face back to when she was young. I really thought that was the only good part of special effects in the entire movie. 
So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and continue sitting with my two out of ten. I thought we would agree there, but <laughs> six out of ten. I, I think it's a little generous, but hey, hey, you know what? Opinions are are uh, are big. Uh, now we have plot. Now plot is where I think that we might disagree uh, again. Uh, I I think it was interesting. I think it was his own idea, sort of. I think that, you know, like, the idea of, you know, a, a, a twisted family trying to kill people is obviously not. But, uh, using skin that has, uh, a, a gene in it that makes you young and putting in a face cream, that's why they're doing that. That's a new idea, and I think it's kind of goofy, but, uh, you know, what do you think? I mean, it definitely didn't feel that original to me, you know what I mean? It's like I told you in the beginning, it made me think of, like, 31, it made me think of Thousand Thousand Corpses, it made me think of, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so, Psycho, even a little bit. So, the idea is definitely overused, which, you know, it's alright, but it's not one that, like, you know, like I was saying at the very, very beginning of the episode, you know, it's not like an original idea I can sit back and be like, dang, this is straight out of, like, somebody else's imagination, this is something I haven't seen before, you know what I mean? But, you know, and the face cream idea too, I mean, that was a good way to kind of soothe and cool the, like, you know, okay, we're not ripping off Texas Chainsaw Massacre here, so, like, we need to do something else. But I feel like you could have definitely come up with something a little bit more clever than that, because that kind of felt a little too slapstick for me. It was kind of, like, last minute, like, what are we gonna do to make this not, like, Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre? And it was just like, well, we can make them into, like, face cream. It's kind of like, you know, oh, like, you know, Mrs. Lovett's meat pies. You know, you have to, like, do something with the body, you know? And it's yeah. Like, eh. Well, I, I think I think the more uh, creative part of it was that it has a social gene that makes you young. But that also is yeah one of those things where like you know like you're writing a story like you know like how many how many things are there where, where it's people searching for the family meat? You know I feel like it's kind of like that. But I think I think that uh, the fact that it's coming from genes in in blood or in your skin that makes you young again I think that's kind of a, a new idea. So uh, what was the score for that? Well, even that, like, now that I'm thinking about it, even that was a little bit Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because even though they didn't wear their skin on their faces like Leatherface did, or even like Norman Bates did, but I think that, you know, they definitely wanted to do something different, which I'll give them credit for, but definitely missed the mark for me. So for that, probably a four or five out of ten. I'm going to say eight out of ten say eight. I think I think it was generally good. I think that they I think that they uh it was definitely definitely very Texas Chainsaw. But I think they did they redid it enough that it was still its own movie, sort of. So uh I think I you know what I'm actually gonna give it a seven out of ten. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. Uh just because I think that the that the face cream is goofy. Uh okay so now this is the last part of the variables and that would be atmosphere. So uh, atmosphere you know, just like watching the movie, whether or not you felt kind of uneasy with the uh, the vibe that the area is giving off, uh, you go ahead. I think that it definitely, you know, played to that, you know, feeling of being lost, like I said in the beginning, you know, so I definitely applauded for that, but, you know, it definitely felt like an expected movie, like you knew that, you know, eventually the family was going to find the kids in the maze, and eventually they were going to die, or get hurt, or worse. So, I mean, it was an expected atmosphere, it wasn't, you know, again, it wasn't like, oh, this is a new idea, this is something new that we haven't seen before, um, but in hindsight, you know, I think that it was definitely suspenseful, because, you know, you didn't know who was going to come out of the core maze next, you didn't know what they were going to do next, so, that part of it was okay, so, if I had to, I guess I would give it maybe a 7 or 8 out of 10. Uh, I'm going to be right with you there, I'm going to go ahead and say 8 out of 10. Because, yeah, it did a good job making the maze feel endless, especially with that shot, with the roundabout shot of Mel on the platform where it showed you the entirety of the maze. I thought it did a good job of, uh, like, making you feel disoriented and not knowing where, you know, it, it did a good job being a maze, is the point there. Uh, so, now, now we're getting to the very end. To wrap up this episode, uh, we're gonna give it a final score. So there are eight options we can choose from here. So let me, let me go ahead and read them out to you, alright? So, eight options. From bottom to top, we got trash, meh, spoopy, pretty spoopy, mad spoopy, 
Skull 1 and Skull 2, which are, you know, fucking, those are horror movies, like, you know, one that you like, like, uh, good horror movies, like Hellraiser or, uh, Texas Chainsaw, and then Awesome, the best of the best horror movies, ones that absolutely are phenomenal horror movies, overall basis, in every way a good horror movie. So, uh, I doubt we'll ever get up that high. But, uh, from 1 to 8, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that we're probably gonna go from trash to mad spoopy. What would you say? I think I'll give it a mint rating, because it wasn't... If it was a little bit better, I'd give it a spoopy rating, because it was good, but it's also really bad, so that's what we're here for. So I give it that mint rating to be like, you know... It had the opportunity to be a lot better, and it could have been a lot better. It could have been a lot more dramatic. It even could have been a lot more grittier if it wanted to, but it wasn't. So I give it that man rating. Um, it wasn't bad enough to be considered trash either. I mean, in hindsight, it was a really well put together movie. So I give it the man rating. I'm going to take your men, and I'm going to uh, multiply it, and I'm going to make. Uh, I'm actually say it was actually pretty spoopy. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, super spoopy, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't insane spoopy, but I think it was, I think at times in the movie, it was like, it was like, okay, this is a, this is a good movie, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a great movie, but I think it was a good movie, so overall, I gotta tell you, it was not the worst horror movie, by any means. Oh yeah, The Babadook is the worst horror movie I've ever seen, <laughs> by far. The Babadook. Okay. By far. Alright, that's it, that's all we've got here, that's all we've got here, we, uh, We've, we've judged it for you. We've told you all about it. If you want to see it, I, I'd i recommend it for a one-time view. I wouldn't say maybe watch it uh, a couple times. I, I don't think it'll make your uh, good movies list. But, you know, maybe maybe if you see it... If you see it for free on on Amazon, maybe maybe give it a maybe give it a watch. We we paid uh, I think three dollars for it, and I think that was money well spent for the experience. So uh, yeah, that's it. I hope everyone enjoyed, and if you did, then stay tuned because there are more episodes to come. And uh, also, if you like good horror movies, especially old horror movies like Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Universal, a lot, and then uh, even more obscure movies like uh, The Cabinet Dr. Caligari, check out Parker's podcast, The Eldritch Review. It's on all uh, main streaming platforms. And uh, yeah, anywhere you find your podcasts, you'll find his as well. And it's, it's good shit. It's good shit. He's about to start up season three. So uh, don't forget you've been on two episodes too. I have. Yeah, if you like me. Uh, while you're waiting for a new episode of the Slipshod Show to come out, you can re-listen to my episodes in The Eldritch Review. That would be Creature of the Black Lagoon and The Return of the Creature. So, uh, definitely check that out. It's good shit. And, uh, you know, thank you all for listening. Good night, and sleep well.